the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Southern California Live, Monday afternoon. It's David James. Good afternoon, KKLA family. We just wrapped up New Life Live where we had an hour's worth of conversation and phone calls. Steve Arterburn and crew talking about getting into God's Word and looking for wisdom. Now, it might be in a place... You know, today you may be in a place after coming off the weekend where you're just on, a, on, on the ultimate woohoo. Everything's running great on, in, in life. Everything's on all cylinders. Maybe you had some uh, really break, uh, great breakthroughs over the weekend. Or maybe you're in a place right now that, you know, not so much. Not so much. And so for the next hour, two hours or so, just want to totally get real on saying, look, we want to meet each other where we are. But remember that we're all equal at the foot of the cross, that we're in, in need of a Savior. And as Steve Arterburn and the phone calls there, uh, we may make decisions, and they may not be the most wise decisions, and then we end up at a crossroads. We may have made a, the greatest decision in the world, but somebody else made the decisions, and now we're caught in the, the crosshairs of it. Wherever that is, we always have to come back and go, God, I, I need you in my life. And this is a crazy time that we're in. I was reading First Peter over the weekend, and this is so appropriate. Like, like scripture written thousands of years ago, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now, is that not very relevant now? The gentleman I'm about ready to introduce to you, I have gotten to know over the last few days. He was a, was a anesthesiologist at UCA, UCLA Health, uh, an anesthesi- anesthesiologist there for 15 years. And not too long ago, this took place as he recorded this out of UCLA Medical Center. Okay, I am being escorted out of... Uh, 200 Medical Plaza at Westwood, Santa Monica for standing up for freedom. And uh, this is what happens when you stand up for freedom and when you show up to work, uh, willing to work, despite being unvaccinated. And this is the price you have to pay sometimes. But what they don't realize is that I'm willing to go lose everything. Job paycheck, freedom, even my life for this cause. Be well. United we stand, divided we fall. Dr. Christopher Rake joins us here on Southern California Live. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dave. Wow. That that verse you lit up, uh, it just pounded my soul. It's so apropos to right now. 
And, and, and that's, that's what I live for, um, to give Jesus the glory. And I know, and, and to see him revealed. And, and I know uh, these moment, light and momentary sufferings, as Paul says, will achieve for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So, you know, getting walked out of, uh, of my hospital, that's still difficult to listen to. But I, I just trust in God so much that he's going to pull me through this. Chris, if I may, um, let's uh, before we dive into all of that, I, I really I, I love your, your 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 testimony. I love your your heart. Um, you and your bride, Alyssa, have been married for how many years now? Am I putting you on the spot? Uh, let's see, June uh, <laughs> two thousand and two. So nineteen nineteen years. years. Yes. Bravo! Thank all you. right. Very good. Um, <laughs> I Alyssa, always have, have to do that. You got it right. Three, three beautiful children. Yes, sir. Did you always believe um, in the gospel? Did you always accept the gospel as your own? Yeah, I grew up Christian um, and and uh, loved Jesus growing up, and then uh, just kind of slowly fell away through my scientific training. You know, through through undergraduate training and, and college and. Uh, medical school. It's just a dribble. You know, it's a, a, a drip of they try to pull you away. You know, evolution this and, and intelligent design is, is silly. And so didn't realize that's what was happening. You know, the Bible says, do not deviate to the left or to, to the right, because if you keep going left, just a little step this morning, the next morning, a little step to the left, pretty soon you're way off path. And that's what happened to me. Um, I got involved in, in doing sinful things as we all do. Uh, but still believing I was saved. And then, um, as we were talking about before, I became an atheist. I can talk about how the circumstances of that. And then uh, came back, uh, you know, after a few months to a year. I don't exactly know how long I was an atheist. It was in 2009. Uh, I can talk more about that. If you yeah, want. so you, uh, as we talk about that, just uh, your background, Tufts University, go ahead and talk a little bit about, as a doctor, yeah. where, you, uh, where you got all your education. Yeah, so I went to UC San Diego for undergraduate, got two degrees, uh, animal physiology and neuroscience, and uh, biochemistry, chemistry. That was chemistry through the chemistry department. Anyone out there who knows PCHEM, I took that. That's, that's like the killer, killer class. Um, so there, I even saw somebody with a bumper sticker that said, I, t- I survived PCHEM. That was me. Um, and then I went to t- Tufts Medical School for, uh, for medicine, for my MD. And at the same time, I got an MPH, a master's in public health. So I learned uh, about public health. I learned about interventions. I learned about uh, public health policing, uh, you know, powers and that sort of thing. And so I was prepared when this came and and, uh, this whole thing that's happening with COVID-19. And some things caught me a little uh, as suspicious, given my background. Right. Uh, Let's try. By the way, I want to give the number uh, 888-52-TALKS, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're going to be opening up for calls uh, to Dr. Chris Ray, Christopher Ray, former, he is an anesthesiologist, formerly of UCLA UCLA Health. Um, But I want to talk about uh, your, how, how the framework of your faith coming from, you know, a Christian and then an atheist and then coming full circle back into being uh, knowing that the gospel is the truth. Yeah. How that set the concrete and rebar for your passion for what it is for for freedom, yes. uh, for the liberties we have in our country, for people's souls. I mean, you work on people's physical yeah. uh, as well. So uh, just go ahead and briefly talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. I love sharing my testimony. Um, when you come out of residency, you make you know, five, six fold what you're making the year before. So suddenly you're coming into a lot of money. So I thought 
I'm 35 years old. This is what it's about. Finally, I've arrived. All this schooling, all this debt. Now I've got to pay off my credit cards. It's going to be easy. I'm going to get the Porsche Speedster in 1955. I'm going to get the 1968 Ford Bronco. And then we'll get a, a second home, a vacation home, maybe in, in Big Bear or at Mammoth. I didn't know which one. And I didn't realize at the time there was a little war, a battle going on in my soul because it was like God was saying, you're created for something more than the materialism that you're seeking after. And that, that was all unbeknownst to me, my conscious mind. All I knew in my conscious mind was suddenly I said, there's no God. God, where are you? And I started to challenge him. And I said, if you're real, show me a sign. Um, show me that you're real. Show me that you love me. Okay. Uh, so write your name in the sky. I love you, Chris dash God. Now, pretty, pretty bold, pretty arrogant even, um, I would say. But uh, so I'd keep looking up in the sky, especially after Sunday church, and that d- it didn't happen. So I said, I knew it. You're not real. And I moved on, and I said, I'm free. I'm free of this, this God. Now I can do whatever I want. And I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And it, it's interesting because I think now in retrospect, when you have that feeling, I realized that that's because I had the wrong God. I had a different God. I had the God that's not the real God. He was a judge that was angry at everything. He just wanted to hit things that moved in the wrong way. Um, I didn't know all about his love, and I didn't realize how depraved I was. See, it says in Jeremiah that 17, I think it is, that the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. 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 And I had no idea how deceived I was, I was deceiving my, how, how deceived I was. And um, so... You know, the, the atheists in the 1800s, they said, if there is no God, then everything is permissible. And finally, I said, wow, this is great. I can do whatever I want. And I was speaking with Greg Kokel, who's a Christian philosopher, many years after that. And he said, yeah, that's good for you. But wait until your neighbor says that when he's looking at your wife. Right. See, we all want the moral freedom. Whoa. Right. Yeah. But we don't want other people to have the moral freedom. We want to do whatever we want. But we man, don't don't hurt me. Right. So um, I was free and I thought this is great. But then I had this nagging sense where I still have a moral compass. And in fact, I know certain things are wrong more than I know any scientific fact, right? I, I know it's wrong to you know, hurt babies for fun or to commit murder or whatever the case may be. And I thought, well, what, about, what if I went back 5,000 years to a culture in India and they said at age 14, we rape all the girls? I'd say, well, that's still wrong. No, no, no. Everyone does it. Yeah, but that's wrong. Even if you took me to a different place, a different time, a different culture, it wouldn't matter. We still have in our heart something that, that supersedes any knowledge we have. You see people say, well, science that gives us all knowledge. But the electron has gone through now five different models of what we believe it to be. Okay? So all the, science changes, our understanding of science changes, but there are certain things. That, I can ask my four-year-old daughter, is it, is it okay to hit somebody in the face? No, daddy, would be hurting them. Is it okay to steal? No. Right? These are things that are ingrained in our human being. And so I said, well, where is this coming from? I'm an atheist. Now, I don't believe in God, but I still have these feelings. What, what's going on? So I'd listen to the atheistic philosophers, and they'd say, well, it comes from your genes. You know, you grew up with this, this altruistic gene and it was passed on through evolution because those that didn't have it, they didn't survive because they weren't protecting each other. And I thought, okay, for a while that's satisfied me. But then I realized, wait a second, in college they told me Darwinian biology, I'm actually in direct competition with members of my same species. I'm not trying to be altruistic. In fact, you know, survival of the fittest and reproductive fitness. And I went, how do I jive those two? Because I can't be in competition with members of my own species, but also say I have this altruism gene. So that kind of 
put me in a, at a little bit of a cognitive dissonance, if you will, put me at unease. What, what, you know, what is this new thing I'm believing? And, um, and then I finally just came to the point where I started to realize, man, atheism is intellectually bankrupt. I looked at the Big Bang, all time, space, and matter come into being at the Big Bang. How do you account for that if there's no timeless, spaceless, immaterial, intelligent, powerful, personal being that decides to create? When there's nothing there, he just decides, boom, and everything comes into existence. And what I tell atheists is I say, so you believe in the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? Because, see, even the atheist scientists agree, yeah, there was a Big Bang. And that, well, what happened there? You have to ask them, what happened? Well, all time, space, and matter came into being. Mm-hmm. So whatever started it couldn't be part of it, right? So whatever started time, space, and matter couldn't be part of time, space, and matter because they had a beginning. So it has to be outside of time, timeless, or as the Bible says, eternal. eternal. Mm-hmm. Outside of space. So, you know, from you know, everlasting, everlasting, you are where, wherever I go. Psalm 39, you're there with me. Um, and what's the other one? Time and space is eternal. We eternal. talked about that a little bit already, but um, just these characteristics and, and immensely powerful. You look at the universe and immensely creative. It's just impossible. And, 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 and it's it not intellectually honest when you look it's at not, it. It's not. It's not. So, so you know, the, the, the origin of everything from nothing, life from non-life. Now, we've never seen this happen. You can't just put like water in and make sure it's sterile in there and then suddenly something generates, right? And I, I, I do this mind experiment. Say, say I give you, David James, a cell and I say it's got a lipid bilayer, it's got the cytosol inside, it's got the actin, the myosin, it's got a nucleus, it's got the ribosomes, the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse. It's amazing. You look at the inside of cell, it's like a factory. Stuff is just, it's like going on, like more, more busy than an Amazon warehouse, you know? And I gave you that, but let's say there, there was no activity. I just gave you the architecture. All the chemicals were in place. And I said, okay, David, start life. What would you do? You just look at that and go, okay, I've got all the ingredients, but there's nothing that I can do about that. Right. Do you take too little, like a, a real I mean, small positive and a negative? Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, you try to, to there's it? no such thing, like a little Tyco, you know, railroad, you right. know, positive, negative, and try to jumpstart it. Right. Even if, even if you could get something to move, life is a goal-directed process. Right. And so there is a goal in mind. If there's a goal in mind, there's a mind behind the goal, right? And so I, I just looked at all these things and I said, man, atheism is totally intellectually bankrupt. It's not satisfying my intellect. I can't, I can't get my head. I, you know, I had a lot of questions as a Christian. I have a, a ton more yeah, now as an atheist. Now as an atheist, it's like right. even tripled. <laughs> yeah. So, so somebody, I think Frank Turek said this. I love it. He says, even atheists wake up with cold sweats and say, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? So long story short, it's like God f- flipped through the moral argument, just knowing that I know that I know that certain things are wrong and certain things are right. Mm-hmm. You can't convince me. You could do all the intellectualization. In fact, I did. I, I thought of all these intellectual, you know, I went through all these processes like, okay, well, what if I did this to somebody and they, they did that? And, and I just, I couldn't rationalize it intellectually. And I said, there is a true right and wrong. And it's like God took that atheist quote from the 1800s and he, he flipped it on his head. He said, Chris, you know not everything is possible. Therefore, there must be a God. And from there, I said, okay, okay, now I believe there's a God again, but which one? I don't want to just believe the God of the Bible because I grew up with that. I want to believe whatever's real. I know there's a God now, scientifically and philosophically. 
is it the is it the god of Muslims? Is it the god of uh, you know Hindus? Hindus right. right. Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of got I was leaning towards Christianity, of course, because that's what I grew up with. But and I kind of started to get a little indignant. I said, "Wait a second, the Muslims are doing this Ramadan thing right now. They're they're fasting and, and praying from sunrise to sunset. And if I believe they're worshiping a false god, hey, how come the Christians have never gotten together and say, let's all fast and pray? Let's let's devote ourselves to to prayer to to God." And so I'd never fasted before. I thought it was like a Catholic thing. I'd never tried it. And I just said, okay, well, I'm going to do it just to figure out who this God is. So from sunrise to sunset, I would fast, and then I'd read my Bible. And eight times out of ten, David, I would, I would take the paper Bible, and I would just close my eyes, and I'd open it. And wherever it would open, I'd read the, the left and the right page. Eight times out of ten, Old Testament, New Testament, epistles, gospels, uh, Psalms, Proverbs. What are you doing for the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And I used to not be able to share this part of my story without busting up in tears because I realized that God really cares about those people and that I wasn't doing anything to help them and that this book in front of me was not a dead piece of 2,000-year-old writing. It was alive. Mm. And it was like he took this key this Chris shaped key and he turned it in my heart and suddenly it I came to life and I went oh my gosh you're yeah, I think you're real but I had one more one more test I had to do to to prove to myself or figure out who this Jesus guy was I was pretty sure now the God of the the Bible was the real one true living God and and you know the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob but who is this Jesus guy is he just a good prophet you know a good man and so I, I was reading through, I think it was Luke 12, and I just pictured myself being on the Roman road next to this hill. I'm a 50-year-old guy. For some reason, I don't know why 50. Um, but I, I have this, this cart, this wooden cart. I'm selling my artisan wares. And, and we're all dressed in white togas. And, and 5,000 men and a bunch of women and children come to this hill, and they say, hey, that Jesus guy's coming to town. And I say, Jesus, that one that they say has love and fire in his eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that, that talks to the Pharisees as if they're not religious, like they don't know what they're doing. He, he gets angry at them. Yeah, yeah, that guy. The one that eats with the prostitutes and the sinners. Yeah, that guy. The one that when he speaks, it's like time stands still. Yeah, that guy. The one that raised Lazarus to the dead. You know, Lazarus, we played baseball, high school, high school baseball with him. Like I'm just trying to personalize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And say, yeah, what yeah. would it have been like to really see this guy? Mm-hmm. And so I picture I'm going up to this hill. I'm, I'm in a white toga. Everyone around is in a white toga. This Jesus guy is 40 feet away from me. And I'm just hunkering down behind the guy in front of me. I, his shoulders are blocking my line of sight. I don't want to be seen right. by Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just want to, just kind of want to see him. So I'm le- reading through Luke 12. And it gets to this part where he says you wicked and adulterous generation you ask for a sign but none will be given to you except the sign of jonah who is in the belly of the whale for three days and then returned as he says you wicked and adulterous generation in my mind's eye and i had no reason to to think this because it shocked me when i saw this he turns around and he makes direct eye contact with me he sees my eyes over the shoulders of the guy in front of me and he says you wicked and adulterous generation. Now, up until this point, I'd been looking at pornography and doing non-Christian stuff, stuff that, that probably had I died at that point, I'm pretty convinced I was not a Christian. I, I, I would have gone to hell because I was living in unrepentant sin. <clears throat> and so um, I started crying. I said, me? But 
But the only thing I could, could go back to was I, I, I'm a Christian. Like that's some sort of defense, right? right? And, and I wasn't even really a Christian at that time. And, and as soon as I said that, I realized, wait a second, he doesn't love me because I'm a good person. Oh my gosh. And suddenly I, I, I pictured myself like this stinking pile of poop and my sin was going up into his nostrils and it was so offensive to him. And then I really started crying because I said, wait a second, you didn't die for a good person. You died for a stinking pile of poop. Mm. You pulled me out of the mud and you rescued me and you cleaned me up. I have no power, no goodness of my own. And then, man, then that was just Boy, that, that had to unleash all kinds of goodness in my life. Yes, joy, freedom. Joy, freedom. See, that's what happens. Your, your whole story, and doctor, I have to say, I mean, because you, you grew up Christian, then you, oh, no, I'm giving them them atheists, I don't believe in all this. But you threw everything against the wall, you, you, you took atheism, you took it and you wrestled with it and you realized it wasn't intellectually honest. And there's so many in the KKLA family, I'm sure they're doing right now. You know, Frank Pastore would have loved to have you oh, on, I loved on, him. on his show, you know, he's talking my, apologetics. He's part of my story, man. He, he, yeah, he and even Frank Sontag. Frank Sontag and I, I kind of, kind of came to Christ, back to Christ the same time Frank Sontag came right. to Christ. Nice. So yeah, he's he's part of my story. Yeah, right? Frank Sontag too, and wrestling with it, and then realizing, wait a minute, God, unleashing epic emotion. I'm sure saying, God, I am set free when I believe in you, Jesus. And it's nothing. I'm I set did. free. Hey, we're gonna come back. Uh, Doctor Christopher Rake joins us, anesthesiologist. You may have heard in the news, it was all over the place where he was. Uh, ushered out. That's kind of a, a a nice word, isn't it? There, he was actually <laughs> escorted out of UCLA because he would not uh, dive into the uh, vaccine mandate. We're going to dive into that next. Your phone calls at triple eight fifty two talks triple eight five two eight twenty five fifty seven. Southern California live. Very important conversation. I really wanted to set the whole premise for this afternoon. Understanding that Doctor Christopher Rake has 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 wrestled with faith and has come to the conclusion that Jesus is the son of God and he brings us freedom and we live in the land of freedom and what that looks like together in partnering and encouraging us all to look at our soul first and then how we exude hope, peace, joy, and love to a world that is off the rails. I'm going to come back with Barry Weiss, a former New York Times columnist, talking about that very thing as we get back into Dr. Christopher Rake and what happened at UCLA and what it is to take a stand in our day. And it's not, oh, you against me. We as Jesus followers need to come together and say we need to, in Jesus' name, bring hope to a world off the rails. Southern California Live's David James, Dr. Christopher Rake joins us. This is Southern California Live, 99.5 KKLA. Southern California Live is David James along with Christopher, Dr. Christopher Rake, an anesthesiologist who was escorted out of UCLA just not too long ago uh, because of the vaccine man- mandate. That's Barry Weiss. She was uh, a former uh, New York Times columnist who uh, was on with Brian Seltzer. And Brian, of course, trying to you know circle back on a few things. And she just went and she was unrelenting and saying, the world's gone mad. If you can't separate men, you know, you can't tell a difference scientifically between men and women or separating boys and girls any longer uh, they, by color, that that isn't racism anymore. And now you're saying that's advancement. It, it, the world's gone mad. And Dr. Christopher Rake, um, we were just talking about how 
you know, Jesus set you free. The Holy Spirit worked in your life and said, you know what? Guess what, Chris? I am real. I'm alive. You have thrown all that uh, inconsistency of atheism against the wall. And guess what? How did it work out? It worked out that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Amen. And so I want to parlay that into courage. You know, Bari, I, I don't think she's a, I, I don't think she's a Christian. She may be Jew, you know, she may be a, a Jewish, religious Jew. She may be practicing or not. I don't know. All I know is it took her being fired from the New York Times to, ha- to be able to have the, the, cur- the courage to be able to actually do that and say, you know what, I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak truth. And even on a network that, according to her, according to a lot of people, would say, yeah, not necessarily purporting truth. So parlay that into how your faith really set the standard for you going, you know what, this is really something completely the antithesis to not only my faith and not getting a vaccine, but being mandated to do such things in an irrational way of, of healthy noncompliance. Well, the short answer is that it all started with a passionate desire to know Jesus more, uh, to go into, come into a relationship with him. And, and when I came back from being an atheist, I was just on fire. I was listening to KKLA. I was listening to... Um, worship music on the way to on the way home from work and I could not get enough and I'd come home and and whereas before I you know I'd been looking at pornography uh that time was now any free time was now taken up by worship music I'd go into my my closet in my office and and I would just listen to worship music and I think oh am I wasting my time you know I I probably wasted my time but I just can't help but but worship God and God I, I know you probably want me to be doing better things with my time being more productive but I just, I love you and, and, and I, I don't know what else to do. And I feel like, like I'm kind of in a prison here, but just cause I don't know what to do, but I, I just want to worship you. And, and I know it may be wrong, but I, that's what I want. So that led me on a series of steps. And, and one of them was going to Idaho and I, I was, it's a long story short how I w- went there. But while I was there, uh, my father's wife called and said, Hey, there's a prayer uh, house in Idaho. Why don't you stop by? So stop by Hayden, Idaho, and the, uh, this beautiful African man in a white suit uh, walks by, just dark skin, bright teeth, and uh, he says, "Hey, where are you from, my brothers?" And he turns out he's from Zambia. Long story short, they have the, they're having this prophecy class in, in in this place, and I said, "You can't teach prophecy." Like Jeremiah didn't have to go to school, and Ezekiel didn't go to school for this. You can't teach that. But I went upstairs anyways and just out of curiosity listened in. And I'm hearing them tell stories about how they're getting prophetic words, even down to like a 10-digit phone number. And I'm thinking, this is strange. But I'm thinking, this is, this is like a new kind of Christianity. I don't really know this. And so, I, but I was thinking in my heart, I really want them to pray for me. So I get to the, at the end. They say, hey, my brother, come up here. We'll pray for you. And I said, yes, awesome. So they all laid hands on me. And they, they prayed Joshua 1 over me. Be very bold and courageous. Oh, mm. I'm with you wherever you go. I say it again. He kept, kept hammering it home. Be bold, be courageous. And I'm not, at this point in my life, I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to tell people I, I love Jesus this much. And um, I started crying. And one of the girls in the prophecy class, she says, I see you like Paul, like you're in a, almost like a prison. You don't know what to do. And I said, yeah, that's exactly how I felt in my prayer closet. Like I, I want to do all these things for the Lord, but I don't know what to do. And she said something that, just radically changed my understanding of God. She says, and I didn't tell her anything about who I was. She didn't know anything. She said, God loves it when you go and you worship him in your closet. And I said, he does? Like he knows me? Like 
he, he's, he even he even knew that was going on. And and I went, wait a second, he likes to be with me? He's a real person. Like, he, he, he wow. Okay, so that totally changed things. That, that God was not the standoffish God, but he was personal and he loved just spending time with me. That wasn't a waste of time for him. He enjoyed that. So that led me on a series of just deeper and deeper exploration into how do I serve Jesus? I want to know you more. I want to serve you. And I got to the point where I knew the calling of a Christian was to share the gospel. And like all of us, I felt like, oh, this is too big for me. How do I do this? I don't even know how. And I was watching this guy named Todd White one time, and, and he just set my soul on fire to start praying for people, start sharing with people liberally. It doesn't matter what you look like. Who cares if you're embarrassed? Who cares if they're embarrassed? Not that you're trying to embarrass them. You're trying to serve them, trying to love them, but you'll get over that. And it took me, literally it took me two or three years of, of praying almost with everyone I see to get over the awkward feelings. It was not easy. So now I, I can go in anywhere and I can pray for, for anyone. I just love Jesus that much. And you were telling me, uh, well, as a doctor, you would— uh, you Pray would, for patients, yeah. And they even even patients who are atheists, uh, yeah. gay, you know, whatever, I, they're straight, whoever. I have this one man, one patient, he's, he's a gay atheist, and he, he calls up the administration at UCLA, and he, he tells him every time, do not give me anyone but Dr. Rake. And I have another atheist that comes from Las Vegas, same thing. I'm not going—I'm not going to have my surgery without anyone but, but Dr. Rake. So and that that came because I had the courage to step out. But, you know, God will call you. He's calling us to do uncomfortable things. And in American Christianity, we have to kill the comfort. We have to turn off the TV, the Netflix. You got to wake up because we have one life to live and one life to give. And I was a guy just sitting on a couch before God rescued me. And I was thinking, I know I'm meant for something bigger than this. And all it started with was pursuing him in the closet in the secret place in the quiet place with him and the worship and the reading the bible and the prayer and he just slowly brings you along a journey that he's laid out for you and he loves that intimacy with you uh what 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 uh what did it start to surprise you you started praying with your patients and they started asking you and wanting and continuing to even tell you know the the, the suits that you say hey we want dr rake we don't want anyone we want the guy we want the praying doctor to pray oh for yeah it, it you know it wrinkled up the forces of darkness that's for sure they but but the patients loved it because that's a pregnant moment you know here's somebody who's going to take over control of your life and he's coming alongside you to say i want to serve you i want to bless you I want to tell you how much God loves you. Can I tell you that he knew you before time even began? Thank you, Jesus. And I, I say a very similar prayer with all of them. Thank you, Lord, that I know that, that you, the, I have the privilege of meeting this person, the honor of taking care of them. I don't take that lightly. So just guide my eyes, ears, hands, heart, and mind as I care for them. And I start to feel God's love just come through my head and out my hands, and it's a warmth, and it's just like, wow, the whole room starts. Sometimes it will heat up. And, and I just go, thank you, God. You, now I get to see my patient the way you do, or just a small fraction, right? See, Dr. Chris Rake started uh, you know, going into territory that was unknown, and God had called him to do it. And so look what happened. God used him in radical ways in people's lives who know nothing about Jesus. And then um, I ask and all of, uh, invite all of us to say, God, how would you get me out of my comfort zone? How would you say, you know, Dave, how would you get out of your comfort zone to start sharing me with others? As Barry, Barry Weiss, who, again, former New York Times columnist, who I don't think she is a Christian, uh, she is saying the world's gone mad when you can't even just say there is a scientific difference 
between a man and a woman on a physiological level. Or, as Dr. Rake was just talking about, we'll dive in some more. It's not about vaccinated against unvaccinated. It's not any of that. It's not, oh, I'm anti-vax. It's not, or I want the vaccine. It comes down to freedom to make a decision. It comes down to saying, and as Jesus followers, as we're supposed to do in everything in life, God, give me your wisdom and discernment to know right from wrong and to make the decisions that you would have me make for my family. That's what we're going to talk about over the next 20 minutes. This is Southern California Live. Your phone calls wanted, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also, of course, if you're listening to kkla.com, uh, you can make that number, uh, make that call too. Or the app, 888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS. This is Southern California Live on 99.5 KKLA. KKLA, Zach Williams, heaven help me. Southern California Live. It's David James along with Dr. Christopher Rake joins us here. um, Anesthesiologist formerly at UCLA. And drama ensued there when the mandates all started coming down. You know, I'm reading and we've been hearing his testimony and how he's on fire for Jesus and calling all of us to be people of integrity and people of character. You know, I was reading Job over the weekend and a couple of different verses came to mind as we were about ready to have this conversation. I knew we were going to have Dr. Christopher Rake in joining us. And your, your phone calls want to be taken, too, uh, if you have any conversations or questions that you'd like to have with, uh, with Dr. Rake right now. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, being bold and courageous. And then Job, Job was going through the gauntlet. Over the last 18 months, we have been going through the gauntlet. I started the program saying maybe this weekend you are going through the gauntlet. And Job, he writes, if only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. That was a lament and a question that he had, Job did, in Job chapter 9. And then I flipped over just a little bit to Job 16 where it said, even now my witness is in heaven, my advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a man who pleads with God as one who pleads with a friend, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. Now notice, Dr. Rake, all three of those scriptures right there, Jesus is involved in Amen. every single one of those scriptures. Oh, absolutely. I used, In fact, when I was called into the office for for praying for patients, and I spoke to a Jewish man that was was telling me this this issue is not okay. I had already been preparing for this meeting, and Job nineteen twenty five because he's Jewish. I I told him the gospel only using the Old Testament, and you can do it. And Job nineteen twenty five in the end, your Redeemer will stand on the earth. And so, uh, along with Isaiah fifty three, that's a great passage to to give your Jewish friends. If someone had told you six months ago that uh, vaccines were going to rapidly fade to roughly 50% production. Social media companies would shut you down for different information when control is more important than truth and accuracy is not an alibi. If someone had said that six months ago to you, they, they would have probably told us that we were, we were crazy. It's like, you're, you're insane. But you took a stand mm-hmm. uh, just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and your faith played an important part. You're a doctor. Yes. Dive into... Uh, again, 
It's not vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's it's freedom. It's the Constitution. Medical it's medical freedom. Right. Talk a little bit about that. Right, the right to choose my my own destiny. Well, not my own destiny per se, because that's in God's hands. But at least the the sovereignty of my body, the bo- the autonomy of my body, and. For me, so this this mandate came down August 5th. So let me reverse really quick. March 2020, as soon as the shutdown happened, I said, this is un-American. You can't shut down the entire country. And then they shut down the whole world. And I said, this is not right. They're going to come out with a vaccine and they're going to make it mandatory. I just knew it. This is long before there was any talk of, of vaccines, whether that was from the Lord or it was just common sense, knowing history the way I know it. Um, I, I, and if, sure enough, you know, they came out with a vaccine. I thought, oh, good. They're not, they're not mandating it. Okay. I was wrong on that part. <laughs> I'd rather be wrong than right when it comes to this kind of stuff. And then I was wrong. And I ended up being right with my initial uh, premonition. And, and so August 5th is when I was, my initial premonition was proven right when I call him Arrogant Aragon, the, Dr. Tomas Aragon. And I say he's arrogant because he's making a decision for all of the people in California, all the health workers uh, and all the state employees, that they have to take a, a medical intervention or injection, um, whether or not it's against their will, whether or not they have any kind of predisposing factors. And he was getting in between the doctor-patient relationship. And as a physician, I couldn't stomach that. And it really rankled me, the fact that there, you know, there are four pillars to medical ethics, and one of them is autonomy. We have to, as physicians, respect a patient and their wishes. We bring the evidence to them, we present them with a choice, and they have the free will choice to make that, um, to, to make the decision. And for him to say to me, you take this thing, or I'm taking your job. I'm going to take everything, everything you worked for. I'm going to take your career of, of 17 years. And I'm going to take your house because you can't afford a house. I'm going to take the food that you buy for your kids, the shelter that you put them under, the education that you pay for for them. And I felt it was a personal attack on me and my family, especially my kids. And I said, I cannot, I cannot stand and let this advance against my freedoms, this, uh, this seizure of my freedoms occur, not on my watch, no way. And I didn't know what to do. And so I, I, I knew that there were power, there was power in numbers. I'm, I'm not a political person. I hate politics. Um, never wanted to be on the radio. <laughs> never wanted to be in politics. And here I am I'm on the radio. Yeah, I talked to my, you, Dave, and here I am on a Monday. This is yeah. my third time on the radio. And, and I have a political group called Cuff, Citizens United for Freedom. And that came out of, out of a texting group at UCLA, a bunch of us uh, medical uh, health care workers that said we didn't want the, the flu vaccine. They were mandating that. And we thought that was strange because it's not a good vaccine. It's only 40% efficient or effective. And so we'd already had this small group of 20 people or so, and then we just grew it in, in, in exponentially. We had each new person bring on four new, new members. And, and so long story short, then I got invited to speak at a rally, and I said, this is not okay. The government has no authority. Think about it this way. Okay, if I go into debauchery and sin, does God stop me? If I went into drug abuse? No. No, you have free will to do whatever you'd like there. Right, and does he on Sundays compel me to go into church and lift my hands and worship and praise? No. No. If God, who created me in everything in existence, respects my free will so much that he won't touch it, my government and my employer have no right to come against it. And so I, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I think Jesus would give his life for this cause. And, I, and I did, it, it just kind of like that, that nebulous idea, right? And then as I was talking four weeks later in, in one of my meetings for, for the group, he gave me a revelation. He said, you know, I died for your freedom. 
And I went and I said, hey, Jesus died for your freedom. You know, I, I just kind of blurted out like Jesus died for this. And, and so he says, he whom the son has set free is free indeed. And then it, Paul says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free. And then in, in Corinthians somewhere, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm realizing, wait a second, God gave his life for this freedom. It must be really important to him. And if I'm going to give up a job for it, I can't honestly think he's going to not honor that and protect me. Besides, isn't he faithful? If he's God, he's perfect in all of his qualities. He's infinite in his grace, infinite in his mercy, infinite in his love, infinite in, his, in, 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 in peace, and infinite in his wrath against sin. Every single quality, infinite in his faithfulness. And if I believe he's faithful, he has to be 100% faithful to me. He's faithful. So if I lay down a job for him, I, I believe that he's going to pick me up. It says, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have seen, I'm old, and, but I, I was young. Now I'm old. I've seen a righteous, I can't remember. Uh, I've never seen the righteous uh, go, I can't remember what it is, but, or, or their children, or the children begging, begging, for, begging bread. for bread. Mm-hmm. Right? He won't let you go if you trust in him. And there's a spiritual power and a force in, in the power of faith. And so long story short, I said, my two grandfathers fought in World War II against tyranny. This is tyranny. It happens to be medical tyranny. And God's put me selectively here at this time and place. I didn't know he was training me for this. But for this specific reason, because this tyranny happens to be medical tyranny. And this is how they're going to take over. This is how they want to tie your freedoms to a passport and, and, and say you can't go out unless you've had done X, Y, and Z that the government demands you do. The government has no right. And, in, and our founding fathers recognized that all rights come from, the, from God, from our creator. Unalienable rights from and, our creator. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have to be protected from from governments, that governments are instituted to protect those. And the Constitution was not a, a delineation of your rights or your powers. It was a restriction of the government against uh, your, your rights and your powers. It was a, an enumeration of those rights so that the government couldn't trample on them. And so um, I said, I have, to, I have to stand with the atheist. If Jesus would, it, you know, the Bible didn't say, for God so loved the Christians— that he gave of the world of the world. So I said, man, if, if I'm not going to stand here and say I'm a special cause I'm a Christian, I don't have some special thing cause I'm a Christian. I'm going to stand with everybody. Jesus stood with the prostitutes and, and everyone else. Uh, can you stay with us into the next hour? Because I sure. want to, I want to open the lines. I want to dive more into yeah. what it talks about with medical freedom and, and freedom sure. and our liberties. You're not anti-vax. You're a doctor for crying out loud. I'm fully vaccinated except this one. Yes. And so we're not talking again. It's not anti-vax vaccinated here, that's what the government is is demanding, that we pit each other against each other. We're saying no, not on our watch. Southern California Live, 99.5 KKLA. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.